You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. afternoon and evening and welcome to the scrimmage i'm daniel hargrove and i'm justin damashevitz we got a great show for you today we will spend 30 full minutes discussing the netflix documentary tiger king Uh-oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a great athlete of the week and if you can't tell we're practicing social distancing but first let's get it going with the two minute drill let's go let's go let's go hello Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two minute situation. 44 seconds, hand the ball to ref. Gun do right, gun do right. Three jet Buckeye, don't worry. The two minute drill starts now. Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson has decided to be the voice of LA Rams fans who are upset with the team's new logo. Dickerson offered two alternates and said that the new team logo, quote, looks like a penis. <laughs> Daniel, do you agree with Dickerson? And what do you think of the new logo? <laughs> I think looks like a penis is a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> what it does is it looks like an L.A. Rams logo. It really does. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure exactly where he gets that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is not the first time that they've had new logo really be an issue because when they first announced the move, they kind of just threw a lightning bolt at the end of the L.A. Dodgers logo and kind of took some heat for that. But I'm looking at it right now, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what he's seeing. It is terrible and bad, and hopefully they <laughs> switch it because it is, it's not good. It, I think if, don't, if don't he, do it. maybe that's what he looks like. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Years of football. Okay. Several actors have already publicly expressed interest in playing the role of Joe Exotic in the upcoming Tiger King movie, including Dax Shepard, Shepard, Dax Shepard, Dane Cook, Justin Long, Edward Norton, and Jared Leto. Justin. Who should be cast in that role and what is going on? What is this? Well, I think I've actually put a lot of thought into this. Uh-oh. Dax <laughs> Shepard is interesting to me. Jared Leto is interesting as well. I don't really see any of the rest of those guys working out really well. But what I really, really want is for them to turn it into a comedy and use Danny McBride. I think he would be absolutely <laughs> amazing in that role. <laughs> I love it. The Seattle Seahawks made what could be a big addition to their defense by trading a fifth round pick to Washington for quarterback, cornerback, Quinton Dunbar. Daniel, is this a step in the right direction for the season's defense? I think it is. I mean, they needed some more competition in the back end. And the best thing about Quinton Dunbar is this dude gets picks. 
He had four interceptions last year while playing in 11 games. That is more than any cornerback in the entire season. Maybe all of the cornerbacks, now that I think about it, had combined last year for the Seahawks. So, yes, this is a huge deal. I think it will really help out the back end of this defense. And I don't think it's done. They still need pass rush. But getting a guy who can take the ball away, former receiver, long, lengthy cornerback. I know everybody's been making the comparisons, but it sure sounds a little bit familiar. I'm hoping that he can snag some picks for the Seahawks this season. Justin, Will Smith said on TikTok that hot dogs are sandwiches. Is he right? I have a strong opinion on this. Me too. Officially, the definition of sandwich is an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, or other filling between them eaten as a light meal. Officially, two, two pieces. As I consider the bun two separate pieces that are nope, connected. The bun by a is piece one of bread. Piece. This is my question, Daniel. You don't get to answer it. Yes, a hot dog is a sandwich. End of story. A bun is one piece. Do you know what something is when it's connected? One piece. That's like no, saying a piece of bread <laughs> is two pieces of bread that's connected. So if you take a piece of bread and you put peanut butter and jelly and fold it, is it no longer a sandwich? It's a yes, half sandwich correct. at that point. No, not unless yeah, you cut it apart. Yeah, but that's one piece of bread. If you if yeah. you take a piece of bread and you fold it, is that one piece of bread or two? That's one piece of bread it's still, still. It's still a sandwich. Yeah, still a no, because you convert a... that. You convert the one piece of bread into two pieces of bread by folding it over, and it's just connected by whatever's on the side. No, because a it would break off in the first place. Then b a hot dog is a taco. What would break off? <laughs> what would break off? The hot when dog's you not a taco. Bread, a hot dog is a taco. <laughs> it is meat in one shell shaped container it is the american taco what if you turn a hot dog on its side then does it become a sandwich no because it's still one piece of bread what if i take the hot dog bun and i break it in half and then i put the two pieces around the hot dog is it a sandwich it's closer (laughs) so yes it's a sandwich then (laughs) no because you are still making the argument that you need to separate it and change the orientation of it. A hot dog by itself and one piece of thing is a hot dog or a taco. It is not a sandwich. In the definition you read, it said two pieces of bread. It's you two read pieces that, of like, bread. Oh, they're just two connected. pieces of bread. Blah, 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 blah. Two they're pieces just connected. of bread. I'm going with this two definition. Pieces. Oh, wait. It's not two pieces of bread. It's one. And now you're trying to decide and trying to figure it out. Two pieces of bread connected Clam by one shell. little piece. That's I'm saying anytime you fold the bread over so part is on the bottom and part is on the top or on either side, but it becomes all, Oh, there, again, or on either side. Because it becomes in those definitions when hot well, dog doesn't I, match your definition. I saw the motion you were doing with your hands like this, and I knew you were going to say hot dogs belong on their side. Now, the, this what do you mean? I eat my hard, hot dogs hot dogs sit. I eat you my hear, hot dogs like this. Well, I think we're finding out more problems about you in this discussion than anything. So when you first all, <laughs> you read you read a definition and then you totally go away from it instantly, and then you have to backtrack and try and say that a hot dog bun is two pieces. Then it would be hot dog buns. 
it would be called buns mm. in that sense, but it is a bun. <laughs> it is singular. <laughs> and then you said that it was split. Any piece of that bread, when you fold it over, so some is on one side of the food and some is on the other, it becomes two pieces of bread, and therefore that is a sandwich. So if you have a hot dog and you have bread on both sides of it, that is that is act that's the what that is officially what it is. That is officially not official. You are just trying to say official to make it be. Justin, oh that does God. sound more like a I'm taco. Doing this. I'm doing this. I don't know why. What I'm more concerned about is the fact that you just said you eat hot dogs with the hot dog open side up and the bread on the sides. Yeah. How else do you keep your chili in it? You turn it so the bread's on the top and the bottom, and then you eat it like that. Then it's closer to a burrito. And also Ow. the chili will fall out. Okay, the burrito's out. The, I, the, I will, the burrito, no. But. Actually, Andrew brought up a good point. Because if there's chili on the dog, you do have to eat it that way. But I'll be honest, last time I ate a chili dog, I just used I a fork. Oh, well, that's <laughs> of not Of course surprising. you did. I just used the fork because I wanted to have enough chili on it that it was like it made the bread all like goopy. And so I oh, just yeah. want it with the fork. Yeah. Yeah. The, the correct way to have a chili dog is to have it engulf it so much that you can't actually see anything. So you have to use utensils. You remember like the chili dog or chili burger at Miner's Burger over in Yakima? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. Where you're like, I thought I ordered a chili dog, and all I see is a tray full of chili. And they're like, oh, it's in there. <laughs> Keep digging. Find it. <laughs> all right. Let us know what you think on Twitter or Facebook. Is chili, are, are chili dogs, are hot dogs a sandwich? Don't be persuaded just because a famous person like Will Smith said so. Think about it. Yeah. Well, and also remember that I said it's official. <laughs> and I used hand motions while I was doing it, which makes it true. <laughs> All right. That gets us into Dump Daniel. Oh boy! Yay! Brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Thank you so much for sponsoring our show. But why did it have to be this? Come on! Uh, Because Stump Daniel is the best segment that we've ever done in the history of our show. (laughs) Usually Daniel loses, so hence the name. Stump Daniel. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it, the name might be a little different if that wasn't the case. I cycled through several different options this week, and I settled on something that is a little close to home here. Okay, so your, your That makes stump, me look worse, usually. <laughs> your Stump Daniel question. Peyton Manning holds the NFL record for most 25-plus passing touchdown seasons to start a career with 16. He passed for 25 or more touchdowns the first 16 years of his career. Next on the list is Russell Wilson. How many consecutive seasons at the start of his career 
did Russell throw for 25 plus touchdowns? Now, usually I'm with Daniel so I can make sure he's not Googling this on his phone. He's actually looking <laughs> down at his screen right now, which is making me a little nervous. Frantically Googling. <laughs> okay, he put, his, he put his hands up now. He put his hands up. Okay, Google. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to make sure my phone didn't start freaking out when I said that. Okay. Um, I do have a bonus question. <laughs> I do have a bonus question after this. So if you get this wrong, you'll have a chance to redeem yourself. Seven. Counting on his fingers right now. I think what was your answer? Toes. Seven. Seven. That is incorrect. Oh no! What? The correct answer to the question is two. <laughs> so Peyton Manning holds the record with sixteen. Wait, Russell Wilson's in second with two. In second with two, Peyton Manning holds the record with sixteen. Okay, here is my ra- here is my thought process on that. Okay, um, Russell Wilson is second, so that must mean that he's got multiple, yeah. and he's only gotten better. So if he started his career with some, then I'm just gonna say most of his career, which I would have, which is about seven years. So yeah. I understand that was a your... misleading question. I understand your rationale, but this question was designed to trick you. So I'll just throw in a couple of little facts about Russ. So uh, his first two seasons, 2012 and 2013, he threw 26 touchdowns in each of those seasons. In 2014, he only threw 20 touchdowns, but that was the season you'll probably remember. He rushed for 849 yards and six touchdowns, which were both career highs, yardage by a long shot. So that was kind that year was kind of an anomaly because he ran a lot more and it took away opportunities for passing. The only other season in Russell's career that he threw less than 25 touchdowns was 2016 in which he threw 21 touchdowns and 11 picks and 2016 actually was his worst statistical season. He didn't uh, run the ball particularly well that season either. The Seahawks did still win a fair amount of games. I think they won 10 games that season. But basically every year, Russ has thrown 20, 25 or more. But the reason why this question is so tricky is because in the history of the NFL, only three guys have thrown 25 or more touchdowns as rookies. Peyton was the first one to do it. Who is the only other player to throw 25 or more touchdowns as a rookie, knowing that Peyton was the first one to do it. Peyton was the first one to do it. You said Peyton was the first one to do it? So it has to be after 1998, the only other player to throw 25 or more touchdowns as a rookie. And this player did not have a two-season streak, so he did not throw 25 or more touchdowns in his second season. Uh, do, you, do you need a hint? Yeah, a hint would be great. He played college football in the Big 12. 
This is the Big 12! <laughs> is that the one with 10 teams in it? I can't... <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible hint. Yeah. Well, I can't Although, give you that would actually did, help you get it. It, it was a te- it was a didn't help me that much, but it did keep me from saying who I was gonna say. Who were you gonna say? I, uh, I was leaning toward guessing Andrew Luck, but he played in the Pac-12. Um. I think Luck threw like 21 or 22 touchdowns as a rookie. Was it? Can I ask a question? Yes. Was it in the same year as Russell Wilson? No. Okay. It's, it's, I'll give you one more hint, and this one may actually be helpful. <laughs> it is more, okay. this person did it more recently than Russell did it. So it's post 2012. That really should help. Now I'm the following like season, <laughs> after 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 breaking the rookie touchdown passing record with 27, the following season this person only threw 22 touchdowns. I'm completely drawing a blank. I should have left the hints out so that I wouldn't look as bad. Would you like to give up? Yes. Can I guess <laughs> the answer? Yes. Andrew's gonna guess. I'm just gonna guess Mahomes. It is not Mahomes. Okay. Because if you'll remember, Mahomes barely played as a it, rookie. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and plays rookie yeah. here. Um, are, are you withdrawing your give up? Well, I feel like it's. I feel like I should at least just throw a name out there. <laughs> okay, do it. <laughs> um, he can't even think of a name. I know, I'm blanking so hard. It is, it is not Gardner Minshew. Oh. Yeah. Um, the Jaguar King. I'm going to go with... <laughs> What's the Browns quarterback's name? Jeez, this is Tim miserable. Couch. <laughs> yeah, Tim Derek Couch. Anderson. Brian I'm going to go with Tim Couch. Final it is answer. not Tim Couch. The correct answer is Baker Mayfield, the Browns quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> the correct answer is Baker Mayfield. Did you notice that immediately when you said Browns quarterback, I started spewing out old Browns quarterback <laughs> names? It's because I really did not want you to be right. But the correct answer was Baker Mayfield. He broke the rookie passing touchdown record in 2018 with 27 passing touchdowns and then followed that up in 2019 with only 22 and I believe 21 interceptions, if I remember correctly. I hate you. <laughs> you don't mean that. <laughs> um, I would be more upset if... Uh... If I did, wasn't so embarrassed that I couldn't remember Baker Mayfield's name. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Brutal. All right, so are we done with that misery? Yes, we are. That was really fun. Thank you. (laughs) Then thank you to the law offices of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz for bringing back Stump Daniel and helping make it a weekly segment.
<laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's get into talking about some Seahawks because NFL free agency offseason continues to really only be, be the only thing left going here in the sports landscape. And really, everybody is looking at Jadavion Clowney to try and figure out what he is going to do, which is great for us here in the Northwest because that means that we're getting pretty constant updates because he used to play for Seattle and they seem to be one of the few teams still in the running for him. So that means that we're getting pretty much constant news updates about what Jadavion Clowney might do, what teammates think, all of these different things. And I think the thing that's most important is he seems to be the best defensive lineman still on the board. And seeing that the Seahawks need defensive linemen, you would really hope that he comes back. And then I still think you would want someone else as well to come in too. Yeah, I think Clowney, I mean, obviously the best player left on the board. Um, it The longer this goes, the more it seems to benefit Seattle because Clowney, basically he went out hoping for $20 million a year and he's been disappointed in what people have offered. And it's been reported that the Seahawks have offered him 18.5 for at least one year. So Clowney, if he's looking to break the market next year, especially considering, you know, he was injured this past year. He only got to play 13 games. He played a couple games when he wasn't at full strength. We might see a Jadeveon Clowney one year prove it deal. If he doesn't get what he thinks he deserves on the market, we could see like a one year, $18.5 million deal for Seattle for Clowney to come out and just have a chance to really show what he can do. If he could stay healthy and, you know, actually get to the quarterback, because I think, you know, Daniel, you had made this point last week, sacks equal dollars. So as far as GMs are concerned, they're only paying pass rushers and defensive linemen if they get to the quarterback. And that's really not Clowney's strong suit. I think we lost Daniel. Did we lose Daniel? Am I back? Yep. Are you there? I see. Okay. You were frozen on my screen for a second. You're back now. Whew. That was a close one. What was the end of the last thing you said? Okay, I was just saying, uh, I was kind of echoing a point that you had made last week, which is that pass rushers get paid based on sacks. And since Clowney hasn't really had sacks, is probably the reason why he's just been disappointed. But if the Seahawks could go, you know, not only sign Clowney, but they've also got Bruce Irvin to try to help. If they could get somebody else, maybe Clay Matthews, I'd really love to see if they could sign Everson Griffin as well. And even if they do sign Clowney, they could, with making some moves on the team, still have money to sign Everson Griffin, get a good rotation of pass rushers to go around him and give Clowney more opportunities to get to the quarterback. He could have a good chance to prove it in one year, get some sacks, and then maybe get something big on the market next year. Absolutely, and I think that that would be a fun season to watch. Jadavion uh, Clowney, who feels like he's jilted by the previous offseason and really trying to prove himself. I mean, he always seems like he's... Last year, he seemed like he was kind of proving himself, but like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to free agency and I'm going to get this massive deal. Oh, wait, what? 
okay, now I've got to go out there and actually get some of the numbers to go along with everybody, everything else that people say I'm good at. Otherwise, he could find himself just in that same situation, not getting paid nearly as much as he wants to. So a one-year prove-it deal could be the best thing for him and the Seahawks because this is a weird offseason. I think that if this was an offseason that allowed players to travel and to go into teams and to get physicals and to get checked out by their doctors, I think you would find another team out there that would take that flyer on him and be like, all right, Seahawks offered you 18 and a half. Here's 19. Let's go. But since all of this is going on, it's really hindering his free agent season. And there's a few guys that have been really impacted by the fact that you can't have physicals, you know, guys like Cam Newton, like who's going to take the flyer on Cam Newton, especially at the quarterback position. It'll be really interesting to see where he lands, but also in the draft, like Tua Tungavailoa, for example, you know, I think it's probably still most likely he gets picked in the top four, but some of these teams may be less willing to trade up to go get him and give up all the the value of these picks that they've acquired because like Miami, for example, it's got to be hard for Miami. If you're thinking about trading up into the two or the three spot, giving up two first round picks for a guy that you have questions about him physically. I mean, I would imagine there's a lot of guys that are getting impacted by the fact that there can't be physicals and Clowney is definitely one of them. I think we may have We're lost back. Dan. Yeah, you're, you're back. back. You're... I hear you. <laughs> Daniel is raising his going... arms in triumph. This period of silence this brought to you going... by Daniel's internet. Please yeah. bear with us. Bear with us as we fight through this. We're all we're trying to do our part here with social distancing. I think, you know, technically, since we are media, we could have potentially decided we were going to go with just meeting up and and uh, recording the show the way we normally do. But we thought, hey, if there's a way we can do it differently, then let's try to do it that way differently. So we're doing our part here at the scrimmage. So just bear with us as we fight through what we're dealing with. Yeah, um, I might fight through my computer screen here in your, a little bit if it keeps messing up. <laughs> I think your audio seems to be pretty decent even when your screen is frozen, to be honest. Okay, well, that's a bonus, I guess. Nobody needs to see this face. Is my dad... <laughs> oh, after I say that, then I, we lose him completely. That's okay, because <sighs> there's another point I wanted to make about Clowney, and hopefully Daniel can still hear me. Um, you know, we talked about this last week as well. Russell Wilson, who is your, if you're the Seahawks, he's your starting quarterback. He's the guy that you decided to invest your franchise in. You're paying 33 or 34 or 35, whatever million dollars a year he gets. And so now he said he wanted superstars. Well, in free agency, there's no superstars left. It's really just clowny. So the Seahawks need to go out and they need to go get Jadeveon Clowney in order to make this work. Andrew, what are your thoughts on um, the Seahawks bringing Clowney back? And do you think you'd like to see them bring Clowney back and add another pass rusher, such as an Everson Griffin type? Yes. Yes. All of those things. Yes. I really want to see Clowney come back. And the longer that uh, we see the longer we see, uh, sorry, I got distracted here. The longer that we see it going without him getting signed, the more likely I think that is that we see him on a one-year prove-it deal, which is 
I Agreed. would love. I don't really want to spend. I don't want to. I don't want to set the market for Clowney. But if we can get him back at an affordable price, even for one year, I'd be super excited. But on top of that, even if they get Clowney or if they don't get Clowney, I want to see him have a lot of pass rusher pass rushers. Because when yeah. yeah, when when they were really good. They had pass rushers that were sitting on the bench that were coming in for, you know, for it was almost like they had shifts on the pass rush. Back when when Michael Bennett and Chris Averill first came, there were it was it was an awesome pass rush. And it was happening not because of one player they had, but because they were rotating people through that could all get to the quarterback and they were all going super hard because they were fresh. Exactly. Depth of path r- pass rushers is always what you want. And we were definitely hoping that the Seahawks would build on the defense that they had from last year because mostly, hey, Daniel's back. Welcome back, Daniel. <laughs> mostly what we had last year from the Seahawks was kind of a subpar defense. So seeing that they're actually making investments now that the offense has some weapons some legitimate weapons. It's nice to see that they're um, making some investments on the defensive side, or um, I guess I'm assuming Clowney to Seattle. That's already kind of where my mindset is since we've gotten so far in this process. And the further along we get, if Clowney ends up back in Seattle, if they're able to sign Everson Griffin, which I think at this point, based on the reporting, seems more likely than not. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But with Clowney, with Everson Griffin, you've already got Quandre Diggs on the backside. They've signed a new quarterback. It's nice to see them making investments on the defensive side now that they've already shored up some weapons in the passing game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, apologies for my absence there. I the love listeners technology. Didn't, the listeners didn't miss you. Nobody noticed. Yeah, all right. I, I well, missed if that's you. the case, then <laughs> I mean, I could go take a nap. <laughs> what do you think about this report that he may not sign until training camp? Because really, I think that might be the only play that he has here is to try and just wait as long as possible and really hope that someone finally gets desperate to give him more money. I think now that all the other free agents and I'll give away to Andrew in a second here. Now that all the other free agents have basically signed, it doesn't really matter for him as much whether he signs now or whether he signs, hopefully after all this mess of quarantine and everything is over. And maybe what he's hoping is that if he waits until there's no quarantine orders anymore, that social distancing could be over by the time training camps are ready to start, that maybe he would be able to go get that physical that he needs so that teams would be more comfortable to give him the money he's looking for. Yeah, and I, yeah, I've heard out. it speculated that there may be teams that are talking to him that are like, look, we're not going to make an offer, but if you are still around when we can see you, we we need to see you before we're going to make an offer. Um, and if, if he's hearing anything like that, then yeah, I wouldn't expect him to, to sign. Because presumably we know that the Seahawks are going to be sitting there, or at least I would understand why he would feel like the Seahawks are probably going to be sitting there happy to have him literally no matter what they do. Like, there's not they're not going to come up with someone who they would be like, oh, well, we got a, we got somebody to replace you. At least not that I can think of. 
Unless they can find a way to trade for Von Miller. Yeah. Which, I don't know. That wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. We've seen the Seahawks make big trades where they send draft picks out for, for star players in the past. Yeah. We saw it with Jimmy Graham. We saw it with Percy Harvin. So, yep. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I w- let me ask you guys a question, though. Let's say, let's let's live in a in a world where the Seahawks managed to sign Jadeveon Clowney for a year, where they managed to sign Everson Griffin, where they managed to sign, let's say, Clay Matthews or some other extra pass rusher that could help in the rotation. Would you feel good going into this coming season with what the Seahawks have done in free agency? Because what I'm hearing from um, not only from some local reporters, but also from you know national NFL writers who are in charge of grading what teams have done, is that the Seahawks haven't done enough. Do you think you're happy with the moves they've made, and would you feel better going into this season than you did feel going into last season? You're saying if they get Clowney and Griffin? Yeah, let's assume they get Clowney and a couple other guys that can help in the pass rush. I think if it's Clowney and Griffin, then yes, I'm I'm feeling good about it. Um, they still need some help on the interior defensive line, I think. So, but I mean, we still have the draft coming up. Mm-hmm. I think in free agency, if they get Clowney and Griffin, I think that I would feel good about this off season, and I'd be curious about the draft. And then John Schneider seems to do a really good job of grabbing run stuffing defensive tackles we've seen a bunch of different guys who seem like we've never heard of them before and they come in and they're pretty solid at that so i wouldn't be concerned about that really um with the addition of dunbar maybe and bruce Irvin, is he gonna be an edge rusher now or is he gonna be a linebacker is he gonna be a guy who can kind of do both i think that might be more of the case or you might see some more of uh, their rookie linebackers that they had last year. I'm, I'm blanking on the outside line on the linebackers name who got some play, the guy from Utah, but I'm just blanking on names completely today. So that, that makes for great radio. Um, <laughs> but I would feel pretty good about the off season. If Baker, they got Clowney. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Cody Barton. Yeah. Is. Um, so I would feel pretty good about this off season if they get Clowney and Griffin, and I think the team would be pretty excited as well. Also, they added a receiver this this week um, in Philip Dorsett, and from everything I've seen, heard, tried to research about this dude, super fast, super fast, and seems to be pretty decent. So he might fit better in our offense than a, a timing offense like the Patriots had him in where he had to be super precise but in our offense if you're super fast it seems like you get a lot of deep shots both on and off schedule I think also for the Seahawks because you have DK Metcalf who is really an outside guy and you have Tyler Lockett who can either play the slot or play outside and he seems to be just as effective either way having a guy like Dorsett come in who is a super speedy guy who can play the slot to me, I felt like it's a perfect match because you don't need to expect too much from him. There's no way he can be worse than what the Seahawks had in their third receiver for most of last season. And 
he's a guy who could actually create some separation with his speed. So knowing that you have three guys who could be your one, two and three receivers who all ran four, four and under forties at the combine, you have a lot of speed on the field. So when you have someone like Russell Wilson, who's saying, I want superstars, you're putting him with guys who have the speed to be superstars. You've already got Lockett. Who's a star. Lockett's a fantastic player. You've already got DK Metcalf, Metcalf, who is, I believe, an emerging star based on the progress we saw from the beginning to the end of last season. And now if you add, add Dorsett to that, a guy who has the speed but doesn't have the pressure because there was so few weapons in New England last year and they already had Julian Edelman, who's a slot guy who runs drag routes over the middle. So being able to add Dorsett to do what he's capable of doing and not have the pressure of being the number one guy is a big deal. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think that that pressure thing, especially when you're also playing with Tom Brady, who is Mm -hmm. not usually easy on receivers who might not be too precise as well. But it seems like the the rest of the team with this Clowney deal, you were mentioning uh, Quandre Diggs went a little bit out of the norm with Mm -hmm. some of his social media Yes, Quandre Diggs has a reputation, which I actually didn't realize. I read an article on, uh, let's see, it's on Field Goals, I believe is the website. But basically, it kind of outlined what Quandre Diggs usually does on Twitter. And he has a real reputation for, like, digging at his teammates. He'll just go on Twitter. No pun intended, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He'll go on Twitter and just kind of insult his teammates in a joking, playful way. And that's just kind of who he is on social media he's the guy that goes on and rips people but when it came to Clowney, instead of ripping him somebody had posted a video saying here's how dominant jadevion Clowney was watch what he did in this game and Diggs retweeted it and said please come home <laughs> so he really, instead of insulting Clowney, he said please please we need you and we talked about during the football season on this show the impact on the front end and the back end And when the Seahawks defense was at its best, it was Jadeveon Clowney playing dominant football at the line and Quandre Diggs supporting it on the back end. And when one or the other was out, the defense was all out of whack. So I could imagine Quandre Diggs, he wants Jadeveon Clowney bad. Yeah, definitely, because... The more that Clowney got near the quarterback, the more they just started throwing up ducks, which Diggs got a couple of picks on or absolutely laid some people out. So, of course, you would want somebody he doesn't care. I mean, maybe he does about about Clowney getting sacks. But the main thing he wants is a scared quarterback throwing the ball up in the air for him to go get it from center field. So I absolutely that those two are so connected with how they play, especially Diggs playing in that center field position. It's going to be interesting, I think, to look at the acquisition with Dunbar as well at that cornerback spot. Is Trey Flowers the type of player that can play a slot corner position? Do they maybe look at moving him back to safety, which he played in college? Or is it even going to be a competition, or is he just going to be a backup outside cornerback, even though he's played some pretty good football for him? It's going to be interesting, though, because he doesn't really fit the stereotypical profile of a nickel cornerback because he's more of a long-rangey guy, too, and usually those are smaller, quicker players like Ugo Amadi. Yeah, and the Seahawks 
tend to sometimes try to convert those guys into safeties as well. So I think you could definitely see them trying to convert him as a safety, but either way, you're probably going to see him as a backup as if, unless, unless somebody is injured. Yeah, it's kind of what I'm expecting too. It was, it's, it's interesting how when you're a fan of a local team, you can kind of latch on to certain players. And even if the team gets somebody that's better, you're like, oh, but I hope they find a spot for this guy. You know, so it's it's you get kind of your your fan favorites and then you almost hope that they get moved into another position that they can find success even if what is probably best for the team is they find somebody who can play nickel corner who's brand new because we didn't see much success at that position at all last year. Yeah, and it's hard with Trey Flowers too because he did good things. It wasn't like he was just a complete disaster. He was just a disaster at moments. So it's hard when you see a guy who seems to demonstrate that he's capable of doing it, but he doesn't do it consistently. So you want him to succeed and people seem to like him in general. It's just, you know, sometimes you have a guy out there that just can't cut it consistently and you got to figure out something else. All right. I think that's enough Seahawks free agency talk for the moment. Unless Andrew, I don't know. He looks like he might've been looking stuff up. Well, I know. I missed who you guys were talking about would be the backup outside cornerback because my assumption yes okay yeah that's I think he'll be fighting for that job I I don't think there's any question that Dunbar is going to step in for the backup job yeah with whoever they end up picking up in the draft which I assume they'll pick up at least a late round cornerback so you don't even think that he would have a lockdown backup position? No, no, I don't. I think he's on really thin ice. Okay. Not what I was <laughs> expecting at all, yeah. I, I felt like he showed definitely enough good things as playing as a starter the last couple of years that he wouldn't be knocked down behind a couple other players. I would say flashes of capability to the point where you could see that he could do the job. So maybe they would want to give him more chances. I'm not sure about that, though. Yeah, I don't know. My read on it, again, this is just personally, but my read on it is that if you are a couple years in and you've shown flashes, but you haven't been able to be consistent, that's when you're not going to be getting as many opportunities anymore. It's interesting, though, because Shaq Griffin definitely was kind of in that same role last year coming off of that because he showed flashes, but also not very consistent in his second year. So, so I again, this is only my own analysis. I strongly felt that he was getting caught in between uh, doing what he was supposed to do and trying to cover for the outside linebackers in pass coverage that year. Uh, people consistently were talking about how he was struggling and I was watching the games going, he's doing awesome. And his outside linebacker underneath, which was most of the time was, uh, what's his face? The guy that we sent to Texas, uh, Barcavius Mingo, uh, awful in pass defense. And it was causing Shaq to second guess everything he was doing. And I thought I expected him to get a lot better. And then he did get a lot better when, when we had a better coverage from the cornerback on underneath them. That's, again, only my personal. I don't have any any stats or uh, any other people saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, well, we're going to take a little bit of a break here as, uh, yeah, we have sponsors, so we do that now. So now, word from our sponsors. Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Do you have a legal situation? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Were you oh, laughing at Daniel too? No, I was laughing at you spelling your last name. It was great. <laughs> That's not my last name. That's the sponsor's last name. (laughs) Did you get a chance to watch the the videos that I posted on YouTube last week? Yes, I watched the short ones. I I made sure to uh, have it spelled out on the screen. I figured that would be helpful for people. I think our sponsor would appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get into our athlete of the week and that is going to be we're doing historical athletes of the week now because of course nobody's doing anything so it'd be really hard to find unless we had somebody well i guess we're not people aren't allowed to play in pickup games either so i don't know good thing we have history to look at sadly history's been kind of hard to find with some different things that have happened in uh, archives around the area. But I was able to find some fun stuff about a guy that we all know a lot about, too. So we should be able to talk about him for a little bit. But that is Adam Big Hill. He is our historical athlete of the week. He is a CFL linebacker now. He had a short stint in the NFL with the New Orleans Saints. And he graduated from Central Washington University, where he played college football at. But I was looking at some the. Sadly, I can't find his defensive numbers anywhere from when he played high school football. Um, and he was known. I think I mean he played linebacker in in college, and he plays linebacker now. So I'd really love to see what his stats were playing for Montesano as a defender. But his his offensive stats are pretty ridiculous as well. He had 719 career carries for 5,942 yards and 91 touchdowns in high school. 91 touchdowns. I would have been happy with uh, one one touchdown. One touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also had 13 catches. Listen to this. His his <laughs> yards per catch is just ridiculous. He had 13 catches for 303 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> Sadly, I did find the hole in Adam's game. His career passing numbers at Montesano. <laughs> he was 0 for 2 with 0 yards, 0 touchdowns, oh. and 0 interceptions. Oh, so. that's a... Probably a passer rating of zero, I would imagine. You know, I thought I would have thought so too, but for some reason the site that I'm looking at said a passer rating of thirty nine point five eight. Which does, maybe you have to throw an interception to get 
Negative. down to zero? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, as you can probably tell from my attire, if you're watching the video and see my Monty shirt, um, I'm a big Adam Big Hill fan. I have met him and had a decent amount of correspondence with him. We've interviewed him on the show a couple times as well in the previous iteration of the scrimmage. He is a super guy. You know, not only is he was he a fantastic athlete in high school and then in college and then in the CFL, he's been uh, a star. He's been an absolute star. Defensive player of the year. He's won two Grey Cups, which is their equivalent of the Super Bowl in the CFL. He's been a fantastic player. As good a player as this dude is a better person. Like he is constantly working on his uh, charitable endeavors. He's constantly working on trying to encourage people because Adam came from Montesano. And, you know, it's well documented, especially, you know, in our discussions here. It's not easy to advance to higher levels in athletics from Montesano. So to see what Adam did going from Monty, you know, not getting the big college offers that he probably deserved, partly from where he came from and partly because he was slightly undersized for his position, seeing him be able to go and be a dominant player at Central and then a dominant player in the CFL is it's just a great story for us to be able to show our kids and say, hey, look, if you if you really care about this, if this is your bag, if this is what you want to work on, you go for it. Because we have an example of somebody who did this and succeeded in life. Absolutely. And uh, I've got a couple other things to to look at. But I found um, an article that listed him as a WIAA Athlete of the Week um, in the state. And this is back when Montesano was a 2A school. And this was posted in 2005, so this would have been his uh, his junior season. And he had, it says, uh, Adam Big Hill, Montesano football. Big Hill ran for 328 yards and four touchdowns as fourth-ranked Montesano stayed unbeaten with a victory over Hoquiam. <laughs> 328 wow. yards and four touchdowns wow and um i gotta say I and he's a defensive fo- player yeah <laughs> and um that was back when i was in high school and our hoquiam football teams were good and he just ran all over them for 328 yards and four touchdowns. And that was our my junior and senior year. Our defense and Hoquiam was the best part of our team. And they were really, really good. I mean, this is a junior class that when they were seniors played up with all the bigger schools because then dropped down because the senior my senior year, Monty dropped down to 1A with a bunch of the other schools in our league. And our defense carried us into the state tournament even in that tougher, bigger league. And Adam just ran all over them with that performance. So it, that just kind of shows the the type of talent that he is, because you're right, then he went on to be just a defensive player, even with numbers like that. Um, he was also a, an All-American in, in Division Two, as well. So uh, everywhere you look, you find how good he was and the impacts that he's made. He's also in the Montesano Hall of Fame. Uh, that was uh, announced in 2018. 
and uh, he let's see he twice received all state recognition at both positions both in the backfield as a running backer fullback and linebacker and as a senior he also received the state's class 1a defensive player of the year award wow yeah, so he was the defensive and um, also a soc- standout soccer player. Um, and I played against him in basketball and was terrified he uh, lettered in basketball as well. Did you so- take a charge? <laughs> Did you take a charge against that on Big Hill? Um, I have a vivid memory of middle school where I was standing near the hoop and he came running straight at me and I stood there. I did the... I did the stand and put your hands in front like you're going to take a charge. And then at the last second, I was like, I want to live. <laughs> and I got out of the way and let him score a lay-in. <laughs> I actually remembered that story, and that's why I asked. <laughs> so, yeah, Adam Big Hill, our historical athlete of the week. And, Justin, you are absolutely correct. As good of a player as he is. He is a better person and a, a true role model that you can point kids to, which, you know, doesn't happen as often as we'd like in the world of sports where you get both. And so, again, it's always fun to talk to him, talk about him. And every time you see Montesano in a state playoff run, you'll start seeing some mentions from Adam Big Hill as he's yeah. watching on social media and following the scores as well, rooting on his alma mater. It's actually my greatest victory on Twitter <laughs> is that Adam follows me and looks to my Twitter for updates on what Montesano football is doing. But if there's ever a time where Adam's CFL season is done and the Montesano football team is still playing, then he goes. He will come to the States and go you know, be with the team, give him a, a hype-up speech, talk with Terry Jensen, Montesano's head coach. Like he, he is a bulldog for life. Like He owns it, and he wears it proudly. So you know, not only as a guy who has gone on and had success, but he's a guy who's still a part of our community. He's a guy who still comes back and has an impact. And actually, I've talked to Adam several times on the phone or, or via text, um, but the, the, the only time I've met him in person was a time that he came back to Montesano and did a charity event at one of the local churches. That was how I met him face-to-face. So, I mean, to have a guy like that who will go away and have success and, you know, be, you know, perhaps the best football player that Montesano has seen and then want to come back and still be part of the community is a really big deal. Absolutely. And, uh, again, reaching out to us or... Not we reached out to him, but also just not too many people would want to come on a small podcast like we had. I'm I'm gonna say that we're not that anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, <laughs> we're kind of a big and, deal. Yeah, we're kind of a big deal. Oh, <laughs> it's it was really humbling to have him be so generous with his time for us yeah. as well. I think that's going to do it for our Athlete of the Week as we are going to move on to Justin's Brainchild and Baby, the March Sadness Best Sitcom Bracket. Justin, seems like a lot of chalk so far. I think uh, maybe the one-man selection committee was better than we thought with all of this. 
I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I was basically <laughs> right about everything. So if we go, we're down to the Elite Eight now, and we have three one-two matchups and one three-four matchup. And the three more three-four matchup is in the bracket that has all the old as dirt shows in it. <laughs> so naturally. I knew less about those shows than I do about the other ones, but I'm going to run through some of the results from the Sweet 16. We had The Office, first of all, as the number one overall seed, getting 80% of the vote against How I Met Your Mother. So The Office went from first round, 88% of the vote, to second round, 80% of the vote. I think pretty well establishing itself as the favorite to take this whole thing. Um, However, The Office will face a really difficult matchup in the elite maybe, eight, yeah, maybe the two seed that got snubbed the most by being put yeah. in the same bracket as them. Yeah, exactly. Parks and Recreation beat Scrubs with seventy-three percent of the vote. So Parks and Rec getting eighty-three percent of the vote the first round, seventy-three percent of the vote the second round. I think this of all the matchups in the whole bracket, this is the one that we have been waiting to see who will come out on top between the office and parks and rec. I've gone on the record saying I'm going to vote for the office. I think Andrew and Daniel are both voting for parks and rec. We all love both shows. It's going to be insane to see what happens there. Absolutely. This is the one that we've, this is, I know I said this with a different matchup last week, but this is Duke, North Carolina (laughs) in the elite eight. There can't be a Duke, North Carolina every week, Daniel. Yes, there can. This is it. (laughs) And Justin should be ashamed for himself because he's going to vote for the office who is Duke. Yeah. No, 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 no. The office is North Carolina. The office is the Tar Heels. Parks and Rec is Duke. So. I don't know about Doesn't that. Doesn't Michael kind of look know. like Coach K? He does kind of look like yeah. Coach K. He has a big pointy nose. Is that what you were referencing? And he's short and with black sh- hair. And he has kind of a round, yeah. weird face. Yeah. I would describe him as like pointy uh, coach k is like a pointy rat face it's not a round face that's true and we all know that yeah and we all know that he colors his hair now (laughs) yes he does (laughs) according to jim (laughs) Bayheim, who pees himself in games so a little bit of uh (laughs) oh we had so much fun last week (laughs) all right moving on the next region here now, this is the only show that I have actively campaigned against. <laughs> you should stop. Top-seeded Friends, and I'll explain that in a minute. Top-seeded Friends beat Arrested Development, which was a four-seed. Friends got 66% of the vote. Friends got 69% of the vote the previous week against Everybody Loves Raymond. But as I shared with you, I campaigned against it, and the percentage went up. So it's like people are, people are going against me. Um, but there was a point around Thursday or Friday this week when friends had about 60% of the vote and I shared it to Facebook and said, Hey, you guys need to vote on this. Let's get friends out of here. And well, friends, up <laughs> 66% of the vote. So people obviously either don't like me or they just really wanted to cape up for their favorite show. I'm going to go with the former on that one. (laughs) (laughs) So then the other one, and I think this was going to be a really interesting matchup, and it played out to be the closest one we had. Big Bang Theory getting 56% of the vote against Modern Family. Those are they're both shows that I really like. I think we kind of called this one last week because, as Daniel had pointed out, 
uh, Big Bang Theory is everywhere. It's extremely quotable. Sheldon's all over the place. Bazinga is all over the place. I actually think Modern Family might be a slightly better show, but Big Bang Theory is really funny. Um, so we will have a Friends versus Big Bang Theory Elite Eight matchup, and I'm going to commit right now, I will not campaign against Friends. So maybe <laughs> Big Bang Theory will have a shot. You're not going to be able to help yourself. <laughs> but Justin, the vote's the- going to be... The vote's going to be close, and you're going to be like, vote for victory! And then they're just going to get blown out of the water. It's kind of funny, too, because I don't even hate Friends. I I think it's funny. I just think it's not great, and it gets a little bit more credit than it deserves. Justin, please campaign against Parks and Rec as much as you can, though. (laughs) Okay, I will. Um, All right. So moving on to the other side of the bracket, we have another one seed. This one took out a five seed. This was Seinfeld getting 60% of the vote against Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, last week, Daniel had the hot take that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was going to go all the way to the championship. At the time, it seemed reasonable because Fresh Prince of Bel-Air kind of crushed the four seed Brooklyn Nine-Nine and actually gave Seinfeld a run for its money here. But Seinfeld getting 60% of the vote moves on, and Seinfeld will face second-seeded Cheers, which I was actually a little surprised at the disparity on this one because Cheers got 74% of the vote against Frazier. I predicted it would win. I thought it would be closer. Yeah, I'm glad that we never did our predictions and doing a uh, bracket (laughs) challenge this year with a bet because I have been way off with all of these. As usual in the bracket, my heart gets in the way of my head, and uh, that one was was a crusher to me as they just got boat raced in that one. Now, I think we all agreed last week, at least, you know, I don't know if Andrew knows these shows uh, he doesn't know all the shows because he's not quite as much of a loser as Daniel and I are. But Daniel and I both liked <laughs> Frasier and Cheers, agreed they're both good shows. But I said last week I thought Cheers would win. I think, Daniel, I think you agreed with me. I thought Cheers would win because it was a longer lasting show and I think they were about equal. So Yeah. And this was was the one that I referred to last week as the uh, Duke, North Carolina, because they're technically one's a spinoff of the other. So I had them like right next to each other in their history. So I should stop making that comparison for things. (laughs) (laughs) So we will have a a top-seeded Seinfeld against a second-seeded Cheers in the Elite Eight. Now, coming down to what has been the most unpredictable bracket, uh, I Love Lucy is the first one seed to go down. It loses to Gilligan's Island. Now, Gilligan's Island, this is interesting to me, Gilligan's Island just barely edged out fifth-seeded Golden Girls in the first round, getting 53% of the vote, but then got 62% of the vote against I Love Lucy to make it to the Elite Eight. Gilligan's Island is a really easy watch, great slapstick comedy, and just really easy to laugh at. Yeah, I love Gilligan's Island. This is the... uh... The team that's just scrapping and finding themselves in the playoffs, and I love to watch this. Is it okay if I keep referencing all of these <laughs> as, as like actual tournament teams? This is how sure. starved for sports I am. That I'm just like, oh, what team does this remind me of? Gilligan's is Island it- is the Gonzaga of this tournament. <laughs> 
the old school Gonzaga of this tournament, though. It's a four seed. Now Gonzaga is so... like a power con, a power school. Yeah. This is like mid two thousands, early two thousands Gonzaga, where you're like, oh, they squeaked out a win, and then they get you all on board, and then the next year you're like, oh, they're actually a higher seed. I'm gonna pick them go to the championship. <laughs> oh, they got eliminated in the first round. <laughs> So Gilligan's Island will be taking on MASH, which only got 58% of the vote against Happy Days, just kind of squeaked by Happy Days here. Happy Days was the seventh seed, uh, which beat All in the Family with 78% of the vote in the first round. So MASH goes from 68% of the vote against Get Smart to 58% of the vote against MASH. I will be very curious to see which one of these two teams makes it to the final four. I think MASH probably generally regarded as a better show i've been on the record here as saying i don't really like it so i've watched it a few times i didn't really get it it didn't resonate with me and i think gilligan's island is a show that just anybody could watch and find funny so gilligan's island may appeal to the masses a little bit more and take this matchup yeah this is gonna be a really close one i thought that MASH was going to take down Happy Days a little bit more solidly. Um, but I think we're, we're finding with, I mean, Happy Days as a seven seed, just dominating their opening round. Yeah. I mean, what what college did CJ McCollum play for? Do you remember that? Uh, Lehigh. Yeah, this is, they were Lehigh <laughs> taking down Duke in the first round. And uh, they move on and they just get, you know, knocked out. Their Cinderella's over in the second day of the tournament. But MASH, I think that MASH can have a really strong push in this one. But it's going to be interesting because these, these shows are so different. As you mentioned, Gilligan's Island, Easy Watch, Slapstick, MASH, super long running, hits you in the feels with the serious stuff of the Vietnam War going on. It's very different shows to vote on here with this one. So let's uh, let's go around the room here. And I'm going to commit to every Final Four show, every show that wins this region. I'm going to come in next week with some fun facts and some interesting things leading into voting to going into the championship game. So let's go around the room. I'm going to go with number one seed office out of the first region. Big Bang Theory out of the second region. Cheers out of the third region. And Gilligan's Island out of the fourth. So in my book, I'd have a The Office versus Big Bang Theory and Cheers versus Gilligan's Island fourth uh, final four matchup. Andrew, what do you got? I'm going to pick Parks and Rec because I'm voting for them. And uh, Big Bang Theory because I think they're kind of like Gilligan's Island. They're an easier, funner watch, the funnier watch than Friends. Uh, Seinfeld and Cheers, I, I'm really not sure. But I'm going to go with Cheers because I feel like it's a more broad appeal. And uh, I'm voting for Gilligan's Island over MASH as well, so I'm going to pick them. Wow, I should have gone first, because now I just sound like I'm copying people. <laughs> Why are you copying me, Daniel? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Parks and Rec, Big Bang Theory. This next one's really close. But I'm going to go with Cheers and Gilligan's Island. So Andrew and I have the same Final Four. Um, so I have Parks and Rec will be taken on Big Bang Theory and Cheers taken on Gilligan's Island. 
And then I will have Parks and Rec and Gilligan's Island in the championship game with Parks and Rec winning. So you guys have all three one seeds going down in the next round. I don't really yes. feel comfortable that Daniel agrees with me. I'd like to put that on the record. <laughs> Andrew feels terrified now that I'm I would on like board to revisit my picks. <laughs> yeah, this is um I don't know, going to be interesting because I was at first I was like, oh, well, I should go with uh, Seinfeld instead of Cheers because Justin said Cheers and I was going to go with Seinfeld, but I just like Cheers better. <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest, too. In this whole bracket, the one the only show that I've thought, man, I haven't seen that in a long time. I got to go back and watch it is Cheers. And I've I've been I've had like a desire every day to go back and watch Cheers. I haven't done it yet, but I think that <laughs> speaks more to just my execution on things that I want to do. I'll watch it though eventually. I'll watch it. I promise. And with that, we are going to take another commercial break. Cause yeah, it's not just a home or a car. It's the six months you save to get your Ultra HD flat screen just in time for football season. It's the overtime you worked for that third car so that your team can drive themselves to practice. While other insurance companies just see them as a bundle or a combo, State Farm agent Mark Rossetti sees your home and car as things you work really hard for. Mark understands what your things really mean to you and is here to help you give them the protection they deserve. Visit Mark Rossetti at 613 Oak Street in Aberdeen for your home and auto insurance today. All right, so before we get into this massive explosion of mailbag questions that <laughs> one person has asked us, I've got a question for you. Yeah. So what I've heard is some golf courses with the whole coronavirus thing have taken um, – in the whole cups out of the situation because they didn't want people to be grabbing the flag, pulling it out, reaching in, I don't know, touching the inside of the cup, whatever. So they had raised cups on the green that you just had to put into, and all you had to do was hit it, and that counts as, all right, it, it's in the hole. So I heard a story. Which would be great for me. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a story about somebody on a par three hitting one of these cups on their first shot. Hmm. Is that a hole in one? So I also heard the same story. Okay, good. We're listening to the same podcasts. Yes. And I would say if I was playing with someone, I would say you mark that as a one on the scorecard, but it's not a hole in one. But if I did it, <laughs> if I did it, I would be claiming it as a hole in one because no. the chances of me getting a hole in one are like slim to zero because I'm a terrible golfer. So I would be taking any opportunity to get a hole in one. I, See, this I'm, is why people vote against what you ask them to on the bracket. <laughs> I'm wondering if yeah, Justin... like, I don't want to let anyone else get away with it. I only want to get away with it myself. Yeah, no. Justin, you're not a a golfer traditionally like you've only started golfing recently are you aware 
that if you get a hole in one, you owe everyone in the clubhouse drinks. Like you buy <laughs> drinks for everyone in the clubhouse. That's traditionally what you do when you get a hole in one. Does that change so what your I would answer do somewhat? Is, uh, what I would do in that situation is I would say, yes, that's a hole in one, but sorry guys, <laughs> social distancing. I can't buy you a round of drinks in the clubhouse. And besides, you know, it's not like a real official hole in one. You know, later when I tell the story, it's going to be an official hole in one, but for the purposes of what's. And when you tell the story, I expect it to be a hole in one. But for right now, I'm not buying you drinks. I'll just buy myself a drink. Basically, just the worst of all areas. Uh, most self serving, I would say. Okay, yeah. Way to change the word worst <laughs> to most self-serving. <laughs> I have to agree with you. It, it's a, that I got to say, that would suck. Like, because now you don't know if that would have gone in. I uh, Let me save you the trouble. <laughs> if I shot it, it would not have gone in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm speaking about myself here. Okay. Most self-serving. <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious if i it seems like it should still be if it's an official rule change like like if you if like your score doesn't have an asterisk just because you're playing in the winter and it's winter rules does it no not that i know of so for so, i as like ser all seriousness it seems like it would still be a hole in one like Maybe you privately would feel like, well, maybe it wasn't as awesome as it could have been if the rules would have been different. But I don't know why you should feel like you need to put an asterisk on it if it's an official rule change. Okay, so let yeah. me ask you a question then. Have you ever played in a bowling tournament that was nine pinfall? Yeah, I have. Yeah, so one time in a nine pin fall bowling tournament, which for those of you who don't know, means that on the first roll, if you knock down nine pins, it counts as a strike. One time in a nine pin fall bowling tournament, I bowled a 222, which at the time was my high score. I have since beaten that in regular bowling, but at the time it was my high score. I claimed it as my high score. Like going forward, I just said my high game is 222 and I just went with it. Is that, is that uh, similar? I thought you were going to say, is that self-serving? And yes, yes, it is. Well, it's obviously <laughs> self-serving, but is it similar to the hole-in-one argument, or is it worse? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... I don't know. I think it is similar. I was about to say it's worse, because that's nine-pin bowling, which could be argued as a different game. But if you're playing a game of golf where the ball doesn't have to go in a hole, wouldn't that be considered a different game as well? Because I guess that's the difference between winner rules. That's the difference between winner rules and this is this seems like a more significant change than what winner rules changes. I don't know. Being able because to get this actually out of changes a bad the lie. end goal. I this changes the end goal. Rules. I like love if you rules. just if you're just hitting the ball into something, then you're just you don't have to worry about the speed on your putt near as much you just have to drill it into it it seems like a pretty drastic change to me i, agree I guess it depends you. on if you would change if you change your approach to it if it's on a tee shot it seems like you're not going to change your approach to a tee shot but when yeah. you're putting it like when i was a kid and i used to play pool with my dad all the time and he used to accuse me of playing gorilla pool which was when i just hit all the balls as hard as i could and hope that some would go in 
So you could just play gorilla golf. Like it doesn't matter how hard you hit it, just hit it at the cup. So I feel like it changes the game enough on a putt, but probably not on a tee shot. It's true. Interesting thoughts here. Justin, do you want to answer for yeah. what has gone on on our uh, mailbox here? Okay, so I will take 100% responsibility for this because <laughs> before the show, I waited really late to post the question, the, the post for mailbag questions. And then when it was about time for the show to start, my wife was in the room with me and I said, oh, shoot, we don't have any mailbag questions. Now, normally, if we don't have mailbag questions, I just make them up. But I was like, I had nothing. And I had posted in our message group earlier to see if you guys had anything, and I got nothing in response. So I was like, oh, we crap, I don't have anything for the mailbag. So <laughs> my wife, Angel, went on to our Facebook and just posted a whole bunch of questions. So we're going to go rapid fire, okay? Okay. First question, who farted? I'm going to save you the trouble. It was me. Okay? Next oh, question. Oh, I did too. Oh, <laughs> Best part of social distancing, nobody knows. <laughs> Andrew? I didn't. Andrew? Okay. All right, next question. Could you be persuaded to marry Joe Exotic if you were offered tigers and cocaine? Now, this question is a little bit off. Have you guys watched Tiger King? No. Okay, you're losers. I don't losers. Know what this is. Okay. But if the answer is yes. Point, you have watched it? No. The answer to the oh. question. Absolutely. If you give me tigers, I'll <laughs> do just would. about anything. <laughs> no, it's a little misleading because in the show, it wasn't tigers and cocaine. It was tigers and meth. Oh. Does that change anything for you? Uh, can I just have Not the tigers? You can just have the tigers, yes. Mm, I'm, so, I'm considering it for just the tigers. Have you seen Joe Exotic? <laughs> I've only Don't. seen the picture that Gardner Minshew oh. was making fun of when he <laughs> tweeted the King of the Jaguars picture. Okay. Don't picture Jaguar King because anybody could be persuaded to marry that. Okay? Right. That's Gardner Minshew. Right. Anybody would marry I'm, that, male maybe, or female. Okay? Maybe my answer is swayed by the fact that I'm picturing Gardner Minshew. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> picture... Picture a slightly more intelligent and successful version of Joe Dirt. Okay? And thus that's the, Joe Exotic. Thus All the right. math. So if you were offered tigers and cocaine, could you be persuaded to marry him? No, probably. Well, is there? there's no money involved? Do I no. get, well, do no, I get no, half no, of his no, money really. and not have to go to cocaine. jail? Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't give you money, but he takes care of you. But can I divorce him when he goes to jail and take half of his money? No. Because okay. the marriage no. is, I'm assuming, no. legal. In the, in the show, since you guys haven't watched it, he married two men. So I'm going to assume that those ceremonies were just ceremony and they weren't actual weddings. Yeah, okay? no then. So, I'm but gonna he go also back. married two guys who later we found out they were both straight guys. But he he is such a persuasive manipulator that he convinced them to marry him because he's gay. Okay, next question. Wow. It's impressive. Desert Island, five movies, go, Daniel first. Uh, I love Princess Fresh Bride. Um, uh, 
Pink Panther. You started with Princess Bride and you couldn't come up with another one for three seconds? I know. Um, that was brutal. Um, Ocean's Eleven. Um, my brain is working so slow today. I, I actually <laughs> do not want to be with you on a desert island. Andrew, go. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> I got two more. Um, I'll go with Matrix and um he's looking for movies on his cell he is looking at his movies <laughs> on the shelf yep. grasping for straws for whatever title he can come up with <laughs> yeah. so it was princess bride oceans 11 um matrix mad max fury road and i've forget oh and one of the old pink panther movies uh underrated are, old pink panther movies are so good i love so them. good uh, mine would be casablanca uh Ooh. the matrix super troopers oh yeah <laughs> fail see he doesn't have movies to look at well i'm no. trying to think of <laughs> So I want I want a movie that makes oh uh, Usual Suspects and uh, I almost said that Usual Suspects and Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, well it's a good job picking Shawshank because that's long enough that it will take up more of your time when you're stuck at <laughs> when you're stuck at. Uh, I should have said Ben Hur. It would have lasted a long time. <laughs> I don't think Shaw. That's a drop in the bucket, man. That that's not and see Shawshank Redemption, which by the way is one of the movies I've never watched. I don't think it's one you want to watch over and over again. Am I wrong? You've never <laughs> watched it? No, I haven't. Justin will fall asleep halfway through it. It Justin, it makes you I'm feel a, things you won't get like it at all. Halfway. It's true. I get very bored. Okay, I, so because of the fact that I get very bored, <laughs> dodgeball. All good, right, solid one. Anchorman. Solid. Anchorman, I love you, man. I haven't seen it. The Hangover, and the only non-comedy on my list is The Matrix, which also is the only movie that made it into all three of our lists. But I'm only watching it a couple of times, and then I'm going to cycle through those comedies over and over again. I think we learned a lot about each other today. (laughs) Did we not know this stuff already? We've been friends for years. Wait, I think the listeners learned a lot about the psyche movies, of Justin? the three of us. I thought, okay, are you ready for the next question? Yes. Which genre of music best describes your life? Um, best Dan- describes my life. Daniel, you're first. Oh, which genre of music? Um, I'm gonna say. For growing up, it was the super cheesy like garage band pop that was going on when I was an nope. uh, early teenager. Nope. But it was now, contemporary Christian. Now, <laughs> now I'm contemporary Christian. You were then. Oh. You might be something different now. <laughs> That's what you thought. Everybody <laughs> thought I was just the perfect little homeschooled kid. Um, Let's see. Now I would have to say uh, I'm going to say techno music because 
You know, yeah. you just pick the dumbest kind of music, right? Uh, also, how would you describe your you in a music genre? What does that um, even mean? Okay, Andrew, you're next. What music genre describes you best? Uh, I'm going to say ska. Okay, mine. Okay, so you've got <laughs> lots of uh, like heroin needles all over the place in like hazmat areas. Then okay, I all right. Think you don't know is, what ska I don't is. think Justin knows what ska is. Hey, <laughs> I, I listened to Bob when I was a kid. Okay, I know what ska is. Uh, okay, mine is obviously underground hip hop. Okay, moving on to the next one. <laughs> next question. <laughs> next question. What are you guys laughing at? Marshawn Marshawn Lynch is in charge of his mixtape. Next question. Is there a wrong time for pudding? This is easy. The answer is no. I'm just going to move on. Yeah. Do you think, do you think Carol killed her husband? Daniel go. No. What is this? Andrew go. Probably. Okay. Uh, This is from Tiger King. Carol Baskin. What is with you guys? Tiger King. Uh, okay, you got to get on board, dude. It, like everyone, 70% of everyone the population in the world has, has been watching episode. it this last week, Daniel. Look, just and because I haven't, everybody's but I'm going aware of it. bonkers with quarantine doesn't mean I'm going to stop wa- start watching stupid stuff. <laughs> okay, congratulations, <laughs> Daniel. You're a hipster. You're a little cooler than everyone. Now watch the damn show, okay? <laughs> also, here's the answer. Carol definitely killed her husband. Okay, next question. How dare you? You're not my How supervisor. Okay, next question. <laughs> right. Who would you do? My wife. Andrew? Uh, what? You seem to be breaking <laughs> up. I wish everyone could see the, dan- the dance that Daniel just did to congratulate <laughs> himself on that answer. <laughs> okay, Andrew, who would you do? I, I don't have to answer that question. You're not my supervisor. Okay, I would say if you're a fan of The Office, you'll get this. I'll say Pam, definitely Pam. Oh, also, wait, who's that tight-ass blonde Christian chick? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up the mailbag. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And that wraps up our show for the day. And this is the world that we have come to in sports talk. Rapid fire questions from one of the show's wife. And it worked out well. I liked I really enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. Not going to lie. Maybe we should just have her uh, write up a series of questions for us every week. <laughs> she would be down for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of Justin's nickname on the fly. Uh, so for oh, what did he say earlier? Dang it! <laughs> I haven't said anything dumb all show. <laughs> you did. You said uh, Justin nutshell. most uh, self-serving purposes, Damashevitz. <laughs> and for my co-host Daniel, I'm trying to think up Justin's nickname on the fly. Hargrove, and our co-host, our trusty producer. Andrew, the Jaguar King, gross. <laughs> I'm the <Yes>. Cougar King. <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening oh, to the scrimmage. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with us, even though this show was a little clunkier than normal. And on Skype. 